Good morning and welcome to Thursday morning, August the 10th in 2023 on When I Rise. Today we continue year A, proper week 14, which is the 11th Sunday after Pentecost. And on the Thursday of the week, I'd like to pick up the New Testament letter passage, which comes to us in this week from the Revised Common Lectionary. And this week of the church's calendar year, so we find ourselves back in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 10, we're just going a little bit further in the passage. Romans 10, 5 through 15. So let me read that passage provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Romans chapter 10, verses 5 through 15. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is by the law. The one who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead? What does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is, the word of faith that we preach. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes, and thus has righteousness, and with the mouth one confesses, and thus has salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, who richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. How are they to call on one they have not believed in? And how are they to believe in one whom they have not heard of? And how are they to hear without someone preaching to them? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how timely is the arrival of those who proclaim the good news. This is the word of God for us. So for many, this is going to be like Christianity in miniature. There's a good chance that... If someone uh, became a Christian as a young adult or an adult who listens to this podcast, like you probably heard a sermon from Romans chapter 10, and it might be one of the first ones you ever heard. This is a, a famous passage for those doing evangelistic meetings. Because when, in particular, when you get to verses 8 and 9 and 10, you get to like how to lead someone to Christ. And there seems to be this sense where if you just believe in your heart and, and you confess with your mouth. I'm going to get to that verse in a second. But it's just, it's important to note, like, this passage is within a larger conversation that Paul is having. If we can recall, Romans 9 through 11 is a very dense part of Romans. It's trying to um, reckon with this idea of God choosing Israel from among the nations and then expanding from Israel a chance to receive all nations as the people of God. Remember, Romans chapter 10 starts with like this um, lament that Paul has. Like he, if, he, if there's any way, if he could go to the gambling table with God, he would wager his own soul if all of Israel could be saved instead of him. Now, of course, that's not going to be uh, possible, but I think what it does in a rhetorical way, it, uh, ele- it, it, it highlights a couple things. Number one, Paul's love for the nation of Israel. And number two, um, this is a deep plight that he feels like Israel is within. But he wants to also show that God is not done with Israel. Okay, And so he talks about a righteousness that Moses speaks of. It's important to kind of figure this out in our brains. The category righteousness, I think for a long, long time in American preaching in particular, 
has been associated with like an item. Like if you don't have righteousness as an item, then you're not going to enter into the new kingdom to come, right? But if we actually go back to how this word is used um, in the Old Testament, also in the intertestamental period, and how someone like Paul, who's a first century second temple Jew, how do you reckon this idea? It's not so much an item that we can have, but it's uh, God's commitment to one the one covenant story that God had made with Abraham all of those years before. And even before that, the, God, the, the covenant that God had made with creation itself. And so Paul's doing something here. It's worth noting, uh, if you want to get into the, the weeds of Paul's thought, you can't just like take these verses that he quotes in the Old Testament as proof texting. He's not like, oh man, I need a quick, give me a reference about faith in oh, Habakkuk chapter 2. He doesn't do that. He actually, you're supposed to take all the context from these verses with it. And when you do, uh, a lot of times you'll see some work coming from the later parts of Deuteronomy, where there is this um, interesting forecast um, uh, of from Moses to Israel saying, you know, there's going to be, a, you're going to be tried, you're going to be tempted to forsake this covenant. If you keep these covenant terms, these will be your blessings. If you break these covenant terms, these will be the hardships. And there's always going to be a way, way back to God in maintaining that covenant relationship. So Paul doesn't want to leave Moses behind. But what he wants to show is that in this long winding story, God wanted to use Moses for time and then expand the project that God gave to Moses to all people. And so when he talks about a righteousness that Moses speaks of, of course he's binding it to the law. But law is not used here to like earn my salvation. Law was like the primary idea of law was a an adoption certificate. Like God didn't give a law to everybody. He gave it to Israel on, on Mount Sinai. And they're the ones who stepped forward and, and dreamed to be in covenant with God. And so what Paul's saying here in a long and winding road is that there, there's this governing question within Israel's mind, particularly as uh, nation after nation, empire after empire came and ransacked them. And it's still an ever-present conversation in the first century with the Roman Empire. There's this question of how do we know that uh, we are God's covenant people? What is God going to bind the people of God around? And there was a sense where the law of Moses was a thing which God could bind uh, God's people around. But uh, what Paul's saying here is actually there's going to be a different righteousness or a different way that the whole story of God, this one commitment to one story is going to be revolve around, and that's through a confession of faith. Now, he does talk about believing in our hearts, and he does talk about confessing with our mouths, but we got to remember where this context is. Paul's writing this letter to the Roman church, and right about this time, uh, there was emperor worship cults in the Roman Empire where people would say, Kaiser Curios. Caesar is Lord, and they look to Caesar to give them safety from their enemies, food on their table, and meaning for their life. And so they would confess Caesar is Lord, and in return, Caesar would give them this safety. He would give them uh, this preservation of their culture, and so on and so forth. But So when you made a allegiance claim to Caesar, you expected that Caesar would deliver on his promises too. Now, this came at a great depth because if you could make that claim, uh, Kaiser Curios, Caesar's Lord, you could claim Roman citizenship, which had so many, many advantages for people in the first century. And so what Paul's doing here, he's actually saying there's only room for one allegiance in the heart. And you Roman Christians have to make a decision. Is it Kaiser Curios, is Caesar Lord, or is it Christos Curios, is Christ Lord? And you couldn't confess that in the streets. It would have been meaningless to the Roman citizenship. But it would have meant everything 
for the people of God. And so notice the things he's asking us to confess. He needs to believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, okay, that he's the one who governs the heavens and the earth. And we need to confess with our mouths that God raised him from the dead. This is also uh, this powerful terms, resurrection, vindication, the inauguration of God's new world. So this is not just a formula for you know, late modern uh, Western European, uh, you know, lineage people wondering what's going to happen to us when we die and go to the far beyond. Paul is trying to give them a political theology. What I mean by that is not so much Republicans and Democrats, but it's like, how will we govern ourselves in public? How will we engage the world? And Paul's saying, first off, you got to dump your allegiance to Caesar and you've got to pledge your allegiance to Jesus. And you have to believe that in the resurrection, it's not just some neat miracle that God has done. But God has launched his new world in the, in the midst of this present decaying world. And he's bringing new, the new age to come. that will affect every single life and every single square inch of God's good creation. So what's ultimately Paul saying is that God's story hasn't been given up. It's insufficient to bind the story around the law of Moses because it seems to only appeal to one family and that one family really struggled to fulfill their covenant terms so god is continuing with the story he's making it revolve around jesus and allegiance claim to jesus so that people from every family can join into the people of god so with those things in mind let's spend some time praying to our god this morning Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you today that Jesus is Lord of the earth. Uh, We do thank you that we're safe and in your care in this life and in the life in the far beyond. But we also thank you that you're the creator God who wants to rescue the world. You want to mend the whole universe. And you began that work within us and and many lives around us. And so we thank you that today we get to go to school, we get to go to work, and we can have mission on our mind. That uh, as you are the Lord of the world, you're sending us into different places to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so we just understand from this passage that there are many more people that need to hear. And so you are sending us so that they can hear, so that they can see the kingdom on display in our everyday lives. And so, God, we just simply pray for every space that we'll inhabit today. We pray that we might have your power, that we might have your patience and mercy and grace. We do pray that uh, people would have a sense that the Lord is near and because they could reach out to him on their own. And they can believe in him as well. So God, we just simply pray that you would allow your goodness to pass by all of us and that we would recognize your kingdom expanding through our common and everyday lives. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.